0: All right, let's get unhinged. Hello, I'm Izzy. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back to our special episode (laughs) of The The Greatest Greatest Genre Genre. SJM Interview Edition. Oh my god. I am so excited to get into this with you today, Jess. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, I feel like unhinged is the correct word, both for how this conversation is going to go and also how our reaction was during the interview Our general experience (laughs) watching the interview, just for context for everyone, we were unable to watch the interview together as we had originally planned because I ended up traveling Mm -hmm. and so we were texting each other at one point we tried to be on the phone with each other (laughs) while the interview was happening and that immediately had to stop because of course we needed to listen to Sarah's words. I have four pages of the most chaotic notes I've ever written in my life. It was just a very yes it was a very unhinged experience (laughs) between the typing the trying to videotape parts of the interview, the texting. No, it was just all too much. There was was a lot going on. But we have since consolidated said notes, and we are looking forward to talking about it here with you. So just a couple of reminders before we dive in. We are on Instagram at the underscore greatest genre, on Twitter at greatest genre, on the TikTok at the greatest genre. Um, what else do we have? Oh, you can email us at um, the greatest genre at gmail.com. And a couple of you have. So thank you very much for that. And you can additionally leave us a review. On mm. Apple Podcasts, yes. should you so choose, we have a couple new ones, Jessica, since oh, do last we? week. Yeah. Yes, they're both five stars. I mean, obviously. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thanks, guys. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. We yes. are thrilled that you're still here with us, listening along. Yes. This is going to be a fun one. It is going to be a fun one. And I, I really think it's sort of the beginning of the next phase, phase. of this Podcast: The content is going to sort of remain pretty unhinged as we proceed forward with our CC deep dive, it's and then essentially phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but more <laughs> exciting. I was thinking today about how close we are to the House of Flame and Shadows. Release my date. my body chemistry changes whenever flame and shadows is uttered I I was I was just (laughs) telling you I started rereading House of Earth and Blood I picked it up for the first time since reading it for the first time the tension is building (laughs) I, I feel my blood pressure rising as I'm just going back through and remembering like how much is truly at stake here and that was definitely definitely part of the mix of emotion that I felt while watching this interview So should we get into it? I think we definitely should. And I feel like we need to just take a moment off the bat to just appreciate how fucking good Sarah looks. Straight 10 out of 10. Straight 10. My jaw literally dropped when she she logged on and she, you know, she did the thing. I went, (laughs) (laughs) truly. That is not an exaggeration. It is difficult to pull off that much eyeliner and she does it. Well, and she's still using. It looks like she's still using a flat iron. I was, haven't picked up one of those in a long time. And it she was, and she made me be like, I should straighten my hair. It was hysterical the way that she said I had to go to the internet to figure out what people are doing with their makeup these days. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Well, you knocked it out of the park. She's I, killing it. No I don't know how to do my eyeliner today. So I mean, Sarah J. Mass doing doing. Nice. Oh, thank you. Oh, Hooded eye gang. <laughs> I found out today that I have hooded eyes, but um, yes, she looks incredible. It was such a treat to see her finally on the screen again, and she seemed really happy to be. Like there. she just seemed mm-hmm. really excited to be talking about these books. And one of the things that she mentioned in the interview is that this maybe hasn't been the easiest last year or so for her. She kind of hinted that she's been having some struggles things going on. I guess we can we and, can get into our theories about what that. Well, I think might it's have now. Been. It's now is as good a time as ever to as what kind of just things that we'd learned about Sarah herself during mm-hmm. the interview. She did say that she was going through a lot this year and that was maybe what caused her to toss the first draft. She did of toss the, book. the first draft and it was 200,000 words. I mean, do you know how much we tr- had to struggle tossed. for 10,000 words for an essay in college? Can you imagine tossing that all out? After <laughs> Battling through that for how many hours you did. So it leads us to believe that maybe the Hulu show. Well, and there's is on been the rocks. a rocks. there's been a lot of speculation amongst the mm-hmm. fandom for a while that things were maybe not going well. And I think it's always difficult for writers of fantasy series to hand over the worlds and the characters that they've created to people who just really don't understand. And I think this is a failing of, frankly, Hollywood in general. And anyone who was a fan of Game of Thrones can attest to the fact that when you let Hollywood run Mm -hmm. with rights to things, it doesn't usually go very well. So I do want to say I did love the first like four seasons of Game of Thrones. Because they were following the content of the books. And then the last two are kind of. But once you sign away your rights, you sign away your rights. And they can do whatever they want with it. And I think that she at the end of the day. Didn't want to do that. It seems like she was unwilling to really relinquish that control and artistic direction. And I support her in that. Me too, because there is nothing more devastating than when you are so in love with these stories and these characters and these worlds that you've created. And I mean, even herself, she said she still gets emotional every single time she reads these because and she's so cre- do I mean, and so do we. <laughs> and so can you imagine something being brought to life that is just so far from what you no. envisioned it being? No. And it would, it would be a disservice for, I think... Her and also for the fandom. She wants to see. I think it she done cares right. a lot about her fandom. Mm-hmm. I think she has a very deep love for all of us who read and love her books because once again, as we have said many times on this show, she was first a lover of, of this genre before she was an author of the genre. I think she has that loyalty mm-hmm. and that connection to the fan base and I think I think it was just really really important to her you know not if, unlike what Taylor Swift has with her, her fans and we realized so that glad we're making this segue right now because <laughs> honestly one of the most important things to me that I learned during this interview was that she is a huge Swifty her and her son I mean, the tangent was at least 10 minutes long, I feel like. She talked about it for long enough that I was like, no, you're a full Swifty. Yeah. Which is amazing. And it solidified an idea that I've had in my head for a long time, which is to make Akatar Taylor's version playlists because I think you could make A Court of Thorns and Roses Mist and Fury. Like I think you could go through most of the books and make important a clarification. I think that you could do that. <laughs> but you're on your way. You're I'm on So I am a new <laughs> up and coming, a blooming Swifty if you will. You I've really been quite taken by this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift <laughs> Situation, you know what? Travis Kelsey kind of seems like an SJM man. Literally, he's Cassian to me, and I and I, (laughs) yep, I've discussed this with Emily Galt. If you're listening, we took it offline because we weren't sure that you were supportive in the beginning, but now you are, and that's all that matters. But (laughs) (laughs) okay, yeah, I'm gonna need you to walk me through this comparison because that is that is wild. (laughs) But I do just you know just in the sense that like he really seems to be like a man who is coming in and I actually treating her right I actually really charge really can't I, talk about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. But you made a great point when you said that you wished that Sarah J. Mass maybe paid a little more attention to the fan theories, the way that the Swifties pay attention to the clues that Taylor drops in her well, in her social media. Well her, I think there's a lot I think there is a very similar level of dedication. Like I think Sarah J. Mass right. fandom uh, nuts has the same passion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like national treasure. <laughs> passionate, passionate. Uh, I think they are equally as passionate about Sarah's works as the Swifties are about music. Taylor's music. Right, which is an amazing thing. I and just, so I don't, I don't know that it's something that's a disappointment to me, but I think there's definitely an opportunity. It would, it's overwhelming. For I have sure. to tell you, I was devastated when she was like, "I haven't paid attention to." any of the fan because th- I mean well, if you're listening to this chances are that you've read some fan theories out there and you have maybe gotten sucked into you've the reddit holes exactly you've gone down the reddit threads I don't know if you've, you've been texting your have other girlies separate if, group chats if, if but, you have no one else to DM or, DM or talk like just send do it. it to us <laughs> do it Nothing we'll brings respond. us more joy than like going on a journey with someone else about these books. But she was like, "I've never really like I don't really know what any of the theories are." And I was like, oh Now, in her defense, like she said, she's had a lot going on, right? And we did desperately need more stories from her. So it's like, which one do we want more? Do we want her to be online? No, you make a great point. She said she's interacting with six, us, and I'm, and I'm. Although apparently. Some people are calling it Avatar Five because they don't count the novella as I've heard this too. I call it six. I'm calling it Avatar Six. Me too. Okay, great. It's, it's the next Avatar novel. It's the next full yes. novel. So that so it was two. Twofold, that update that we got from Sarah. Onefold. Onefold. <laughs> <laughs> is that she is working on the the next thing she is working on is for the Avatar series. Huge and the second fold is that it is a full <laughs> novel. Now, she did not confirm <laughs> whose, whose point of view it isn't. Is but I think, I think, we, think we all know. have a pretty good idea of at least two characters. It's gonna be Shadow Daddy Azriel and Oh. Okay, but, okay. who do you think the second oh. one's going to be? I've already done my mic bump. Do you, <laughs> it's, do you think it's, it's going to be I don't know. Elaine? I don't know. Or do you think it's going to be Gwyn? I don't know. I know, I don't know either. Maybe it'll be three. Maybe he'll really, I maybe we'll just get thrown for a loop and it'll be Lucian too. If it's Azriel and, <laughs> and Elaine, I'm going to be really worried. I know. She could throw in a third POV. It could be Asriel, Elaine, Gwen. and Gwen. And then the last one is just Elaine and, and Lucian. Lucian. I don't know. It's oh very Oh my God, stressful. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> bring really it back it to the I'm interview. <laughs> her roller coaster. I'm so scared. Other important little notes that I took that aren't necessarily the most important things that happened in the interview, but they made me very, very happy. The fact that a Bible exists. With every single description of every single character. I need it. And I need I, it when she's done writing novels. I need her to publish to her active encyclopedia <laughs> of the SJM universe. I want it bound and illustrated <laughs> and and just I need it. I need it to be like huge and enormous and dramatic. It and look like and one sit, of the books in the and like Harry Potter and yes, the library. And I yep. want it to sit above perhaps in my fireplace. Sections as like a main main focus of the decor in my future home. Wow, oh, you really thought that through. I ac- it actually just came to me just now. That was impressive. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Another note, she no longer stands by the statement that you do not have to read Akata to read *Crescent City*. So originally, when she came out with *Crescent City*, mm, she said that you was don't a have to. Yeah, she was oh. like she. It was I guess in previous interviews that we have not we have not seen. She said that you didn't have to. Because one of the questions was, they asked, do, "Do you still stand by that?" And she said, "No." I would agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would, you have think to so. read. I think it's more fun. No, no, no she said that now she's said. Wait, did we do, do? Did we do a spoiler alert? I, I, we should, we'll put it in the title. Like, this is about, this is about flame and shadow. Before I, (laughs) before I say what I'm about to say, big spoiler (laughs) coming your way for Akatar and Crescent City. I think if you don't read Akatar first, the reveal at the end of House of Sky and Breath when she goes into Brythian Mm. and you're picking up on the fact that the scarred hands are Asriel's and then there's this tiny... Female, who's Amryn, yeah. and then I mean, maybe not this... for the first book you have to read but I think at least for the one upcoming, it's not going to make a lot of sense. Some of these characters. I just I. think it's a much richer because because if you read it in reverse, if you read Crescent City first and you read both books, then at the end, then if you go to read Akatar, you meet Resand, and you, I think you would just be confused. Yeah, you no, would so be she... like, you would be like, is this? Yeah, so she says that you need to read Akatosh now before you read Crescent City. I think I think that, you makes, that makes sense. Now, on a slightly separate note, but something I think that is worth reading, or noting. <laughs> I swear this is my first class. I have actually been asked by several people. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Friends, though. Not like Not like, not like fans. fans. <laughs> I have been asked by several people <laughs> what the best order. order is to read the books in. I stand by our order. Like but even like right now. Mm-hmm. Right? So people were saying, okay, between now and and leading up to Grand City 3, should I read everything again? Or like, should I just read Crescent City? Should I just read Akatar? Should I read like the first four books of Akatar and then read House of Earth and Blood and then read Plus Silver well, Flames could you have and to stop then reading Read? Akatar? It's impossible. No, but they're like people are taking the whole And they're doing it like universe, the universe like the and they're like, like doing it linearly. And I don't I don't know if that would be my recommendation. I feel like rereading Crescent City is imperative. I also think that People who read this genre Mm -hmm. fall so in love with the characters in the world. It would be very difficult to pull yourself away from a series that is not finished if the next book was there for the taking. True. How would you just stop after Mist and Fear? Are you joking? (laughs) Well, they're saying to stop after the novella and then read Earth and Blood and then Silver Flames and then House of Sky and Breath. I couldn't do it. It seems like it would be a disjointed user experience to me. Yeah. The bigger one I think that is in question is Throne of Glass. And because we don't know yet if, if those we're characters come into get, play, I, like, I don't what do know think what to do. I'm trying to imagine you reading alan Galanthinius making her way into House of Flame and Shadow somehow. And I'm no. trying to imagine your reaction to it. <laughs> also, like. This is the first Sarah J Maas book that I'm going to be reading where it is actually impossible for me to spoil anything for myself. Yeah. Which is going to be tough because I kind of relied on some of those like comforts because you are because I'm a, very a chaotic, nervous, reader. nervous reader. Yeah. I don't spoil anything. I'm I've I've been training for this. <laughs> I am so anxious. <laughs> And this interview did not necessarily help No, so we can talk about some other stuff that she said that gave us pause and that made us a little bit nervous. Yes, I Um, think that's probably... Should we talk about Hunt and some of the things that she said about Hunt? I think we should because it's the hardest part. It was the hardest part for me. So this is a literal quote that she said from her interview. She was trying to figure out how to unlock new trauma levels for him in this next book. When does she mean for him or for us? I mean, perhaps both. You really in particular. really kind of feels like it's directed at me. <laughs> she wanted to figure out the Let's most horrible on. thing Before that she could do. we talk about this, any further, hold on. This me, you is, may as well give me a little more, difficult. too. <laughs> I'm scared. I know. I'm excited, though, because we get to learn a lot more, she said, about Hunt and his origin and his backstory. Yes, Coming I up. I am excited about that. And I think there's so many great theories out there about, about Hunt and his his lightning powers and whether or not there's a connection to Thur. And then there's the bonus scene after is it after Earth and Blood, I think? Which bonus and scene is that? And it's Jaseba Oh yes, it's at the end of Earth and Blood. It's Jaseba and Adis, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so. And he says to Jasiba I think Athalar's father would be proud, but you knew the male better than I did. No, that's gonna be—we're gonna find out some shit about Hunt in this next. Book I literally that we have, all have not goosebumps. prepared. For. I'm so like, there are so <laughs> many amazing. I'm so excited to see what she does with it because of how she is able to weave in elements of real mythologies and cultures. One of our favorite and things about her. Thur is of course. I think a pretty unmistakable nod to to Thor Thor and Norse mythology. I started my reread last night. Oh my gosh, it's it's my my favorite type of mythology. And I am reading everything through a lens of could this have been sourced from or inspired by a real mythology? Mm. And it's really interesting because, right, because there's Luna right who has the horn mm-hmm. and it's it's very much giving artemis it's giving you know diana from roman mythology and then there's diana wonder woman and it's all just very like you can really just get yourself in a heap of speculation but i'm really excited to see what she has in store for us in unpacking hunt's backstory and his origin but one very important thing we did find out about hunt that gave us it gave me Hope the warm and fuzzies for sure. Was that he and Bryce are they officially are mates. Babies. And this debunks so many theories that were out I, there. And honestly, thank God. I was just worried about you. I was very upset by and it. And it's not because people aren't, you know, it's not that I like it's am that upset. It's you love it's him. It's not that I'm upset by people. He's your man. Questioning whether or not he was her mate. It's just that I personally was so attached to him and to them as a couple I really fell for them so much harder than I had fallen for any of the characters in Akatar. I don't really know why except for the fact that, that he wears a it? backwards baseball cap <laughs> well, that which is, is the problematic just, element of all of this that was other so things. unfair of Sarah to do no it was it was she rude. gave him wings and a backwards baseball it's hat rude Do you know? And he wears a wife beater, which it's giving Ryan Atwood from the OC, which is like my original crush. Or even like a t-shirt. And he like goes to the gym. He goes to frat pot. You know what I loved about Crescent City? And she actually touched on this in her (laughs) interview. It's literally like this is her fantasy version of growing up in New York City. That's what she said. Do you know what? And I actually think that would be the best thing that could happen to either of us is if we woke up one morning and the world was the way that it is in Crescent City <laughs> except for the fact that we would be at the literal bottom of the social totem pole yeah, well, as humans, human beings <laughs> very tough. <laughs> hey, maybe we'd find a um a Randall and he would and he would That's true. Yeah. I'm getting that bonus chapter oh, on my that's yeah, nice. from Books a Million. Okay, which makes me wonder what does why Ember, do they have? What does Ember know? What why do well she knows things about the Autumn King, which we also have to talk about in this interview. Honestly the most important okay, I mean, part. I knew this was gonna be a struggle. It was gonna be <laughs> hard for us to stay on Have we finished it's Hunt or no? Stick to the agenda. So I do wanna talk about the fact that SJM said that there is a big journey ahead for Hunt. And yes, I think a lot of that is going to have to do with trauma and healing because in the first two books, we definitely get the sense that he has dealt with a lot and he's been mm-hmm. through a lot, but I don't think he's faced any of it. No. And I think that that's a really important difference between he and Bryce. Like Bryce has been through a lot, but she she has grieved mm-hmm. and she has had to fight through like really, really low. No, it was a huge part of, this, of her life, the earth and blood story, and it was very, very powerful and, and moving. He, and he helps her heal, mm-hmm. but I think it's really, and this is a very, very pivotal. Path. Well, I'm excited for it, Jess, because you know what? We haven't actually had that from the male perspective yet in any of Sarah J. Mass's books. We've had it a little bit. We don't get other points of view from someone that has is going through that journey. We get a little bit in Throne of Glass with Dorian and Kale. A little bit. Um, Kale, yes. Kale going through his paralysis. In Tower of do, we do get that. And Dorian has his demons that he battles. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever really saw it all the way through to like full healing, but you do get you do get the struggle, and you do get the facing facing of your oh, demons, it's the great, battling. It's of a your great demons. point. I, I, I forgot about them, but I guess I'm thinking more of like the tier one like main character. I don't know if I Agreed. consider those two to be. They're very important characters, I and mean, we get that point of view, but we get a lot more points of view in Throne of Glass. Yes, uh, yes, I I would agree with you there, but I just I think because that arc has been so pivotal for so many of the female characters Mm -hmm. that we love so much, I think it's noteworthy that she, it seems like she is going to be sending Hunt on a journey Mm -hmm. like that. It also makes me a little bit nervous because it makes me think of, you know, when Katniss and Peeta got separated at the Mm -hmm. end of the second book of The Hunger Games and he just goes through that horrible torture and he like, he has to relearn everything and it's i It's like the and, third act breakup that we all hate. I and know I'm, that it's coming I and i'm not excited feel, about I it. I feel like they are going to somehow use his past trauma and fry his brain like winter soldier kind of oh my god situation and i feel like Bryce is going to have to really use the power of their mating bond to like pull him back pull in pull him back and it's just I think it's going to be really hard. I mean, in the words of Sarah J. Maas, you should be worried. I'm, I, I am, <laughs> okay? Mission accomplished. I, I, am <laughs> I am worried. I am worried all the time. <laughs> so I think that brings us to Can the conclusion of... Hunt. Hunt my feelings about what we have learned. Now, I know you get a little more excited to okay. talk about The Orchard King, so do you want to do that? Oh my God, yes. I okay, do. Yes, so do want Sarah J. That. Mass made a very important point. And it was unexpected. That I, this is when things became really chaotic between me and Jess because she... <laughs> okay, but because it also came... It was just a very serendipitous, like clash of timelines because because we've been talking about the autumn king specifically in the first season of our podcast and rereading book one (laughs) of akatar okay and getting our first introduction to baron Baron. lady autumn and the bad boy autumn boys yep and just the hot weasleys the hot weasleys (laughs) just really getting kind of reintroduced to them knowing the influential role that they have even if it seems like it's on the side, and so we had been very into the Autumn Court lore, and then to and hear Sarah, out of nowhere to hear her say that this oh, is one of my favorite characters that I've ever written, and he was one of the first ones that she always yes. knew was going to be in the book. Like Hunt came late; mm-hmm. she had a different love interest in mind for Bryce. Bryce, and then when Hunt, when she wrote Hunt into the interrogation room scene, she was like, "Oh shit, this is it." This is different, which I think is very cool because that's what happened with Nesta and Cassian for her. As I well. I love that. I do too. She's such a genius. She, but I think she initially had Nesta and Lucian, Lucian together. Right? Yep. Which, you her. know what? I, 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 so I feel like much. I would have been okay with that too. And you know, I'm a total Cassie and Gully, but well, I Cassian, rediscovered. No, Cass- she was right. She was 100% she was right. right. But if it had been Lucian, I, I could have recognized I just need I Lucian have to have somebody. No, I totally, you and I and are on the I same And I need page. him to be happy. So, so needed. the Autumn King is one of Sarah J. Mass's favorite characters. Favorite characters, and this, right? And the thing that she said was that he is Marley Gray. He's capable of doing the right thing, but he doesn't. She said he is so bad. He is so awful, I think was the word that she used. He's so awful, but he has the capacity to do to the do, right thing, and good. he just doesn't. doesn't. She also said, and this was one of the few clips that I was able to record <laughs> on my phone chaotically, <laughs> and she also said that pitting him against characters like Bryce and like Rune, at which point she went, oh, Sweet baby rune. I mean, which shame. some which for some reason fills me with dread. Sweet baby Why rune. does she pity him so much? I, I think it's because she knows what she's done in book three to him, oh, and it enough. makes it's me about very him scared. Him and Lydia. But anyway, continue. your thoughts. So she said that pitting characters like the Autumn King and quote sweet baby rune <laughs> unquote. She said it just makes for really rich dynamics. To have these characters that are so different but so inextricably tied to one another. And she also said that she always knew that Bryce's biological, biological father. father was the Autumn King. Now what is amazing and tantalizing is that we don't know why Bryce's lineage is so important. We know yeah. that she's the heir to the starborn fae. It's giving the same history as Rhysand and Tamlin's families. Is It's very murky. We, we just don't have the information yet. We don't And have she's it. been very, very deliberate with that. Because I even went to Rune's Wikipedia page or Ac- mm-hmm. Echo Wiki, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's like very little is known about his upbringing. Not just Bryce's. Both of them. And Well, and I was reading House of Earth and Blood last night. And there's what I read as just a throwaway, oh, wow, Bryce's biological dad is, is an asshole. He offered her, the Autumn King offered her fat sum of money to never breathe a word of, of her lineage is. to anyone. And at, on first glance, I was like, oh, her dad's just an asshole and he's ashamed of her because she's half human. I think he was trying to protect her. I who think else we are, do we know that I is think, really, really intense about lineage in the other areas of the universe? A certain other ruler of an an (laughs) autumn-related location. What was really striking to me when kind of doing a little bit of research about this was how similar, from what we know, the Mm -hmm. Autumn King and his very gentle, very kind wife... Rune's mother. Yes, Rune's mother, to Baron and Lady Autumn, who we know has very... I mean, just Jessica's reaction says it all. Who is just a, a nut... A gentle, I also want kind her woman. to be happy. I mean, she deserves happiness. She does. She deserves to be with Helion. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> but the dynamic sounds the same between the two paralleled There's couples just... in different worlds. And there is something massive that we and there are so many theories about this, you know, enter Reddit at your own risk. Because you could get sucked so in. So much to digest <clears throat> there. But there are there is simply knowing that. Sarah created the Autumn King and named him the Autumn King. And he exists because he needed to be mm-hmm. the genetic source of Bryce for some reason. And Rune, for that matter. And then knowing that she also always knew that Bryce was going to end up in Prithian, those, are, those just, just simply cannot much. be coincidences. Because another thing that she said in the interview was that, she, that scene where Bryce comes to Prithian and meets all the characters from the ACOTAR world that we know and love. That is what she was working up to the entire time she was writing Crescent City. Yes. She actually said that she burst into tears when she finally wrote it because it was like this massive weight had been released off of her shoulders. She had I, been I love writing it for so long. how much she cries. I know. That was she actually one of my notes. Really, she cries a lot. She LOL, cries so a we. lot. She's one of us. We love her for that so <laughs> much. Like she said when she was on the plane listening to music, the first this is one of my favorite plots the, the first interview scene she imagined from Crescent City was Bryce making the drop and Danica being her anchor from the other side. So and she this, was this just amazed. she was she said she it was just it was the friendship between Danica and Bryce, which was the first like real clear Thing that materialized for her while and she was on this plane and she said that she just sobbed. <clears throat> so and, she was listening and to honestly, a piece of music. It, we've all been that. If I <laughs> listen to a certain piece of music and I think about Bryce and Danica when Bryce makes the drop, I also cry. It's, it's happened to the best of us yeah. and it will happen again. She was, and then she said that she listened to the same one over and over again, and she just started getting her thoughts out on the mm. page, and she just kept crying. Can you imagine the person sitting next to her on the flight? Oh my god, I wish it was me. <laughs> it's amazing. If stuff. I ever got sat next to Sarah J Mass on a flight, oh I, w- I would probably have to be like, flight attendant, <laughs> need you, you, you need, you have to move me for this woman's sake, because I'm going to ruin her entire day. <laughs> Oh my god. You know what upset me was the was the story that she told about the girl who had the tattoo of Ramiel and the three stars and she went up to <gasps> the girl in New York nice and she was like that that's me. I wrote that book and she wasn't like made up apparently like it would matter to a true fan and the girl just didn't really believe her um sarah if ever possibly you're (laughs) listening to this i'm gonna be in new york the week of november 13th and i would love to meet up with you (laughs) just throwing it out there there. maybe you can you can send us an email the greatest (laughs) genre at gmail.com or just dm us directly can you imagine, Jessica? Oh my god! I have so to pull it together. A secret, I feel like I need a secret Professor is Professor McGonagall, the Maggie Smith. Amazing. Um, put pull yourself, yourself together. together. <laughs> um, were Amazing you really stuff. really a cat. Now, just pull yourself <laughs> together. <laughs> Maggie Smith is an icon, legend. Can we find a place for her in <laughs> the Avatar universe, please? Oh, I wish they aged more. I'm trying to think. Could she be like Magda? Can we make Kashiba be- old? Okay, hang on. Who? No. Who was? Who's the Gila in Akata? Well. <laughs> the Gila in the Inner Circle? Mag- Magda? Magda? Oh, I don't remember her that name. That could be Maggie's. The one who doesn't know how to perform a C section? <laughs> we actually don't have time to get into that because <laughs> that's a whole nother issue. Got contraceptive teas down, though. <laughs> oh C sections, however? Nope. Out of luck. Oh my god. Okay, I wanted to touch on some of the rapid fire questions that were given to Sarah. Okay, fine. But and afterwards, I would like to talk about the selection of questions that they. Oh, I think that yeah, that 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 works out nicely. Preferred. So okay, what there were only there were only five of them. So I'm going to read out all of them. Yep. Is Donica really dead? Yes. Yes. And this is just a recap in case people I'm, didn't. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Is Connor really dead? Yes. Also yes. (laughs) I mean, these are like fairly graphic deaths that happened with very clear evidence. Uh, Yes. Anyway, uh, does Emile really have no powers? She did not answer this one. I think Which leads me to believe that anything that is a do not answer is an answer in itself. Well, right, but... We don't know in what capacity. I think he is unable to access his powers and I think that was done Mm. by someone else to him for his protection. Interesting. Okay. Does the mating bond in the Crescent City world mean the same thing in the ACOTA world? And she did not answer this one either. What is it? I don't even have notes because I don't what know where to go with that. Ag- I don't even know. <laughs> okay, so so what does the Ak- what does the mating bond mean in the acotar world? Like, what I does said, that mean? So in the acotar world, and this is a whole separate discussion that we've touched on but haven't really had in full, is that it is this incredibly rare bond between <laughs> rare. <laughs> Bond between two unless people, you're a main is, character in an SJM novel, in which case you're probably gonna get a mate. Exactly. Well, Are we upset like- about it? <laughs> Absolutely not. Please continue. Please continue that it is rare, but that all of our main characters get one. Okay, great. And nice. I and I think that it's. It's more the hints that she makes the mating bond throughout the ACOTAS series. Things like you can't bear to see your mate in pain. Like, you literally feel... There's, like, a physical bond that happens between you. And they can communicate through it, right? Well, at least... I don't know if that's a favorite and Reese thing because of the Demati situation. I reread some Kingdom of Ash today. (laughs) (laughs) Because my friend Remy... Was is oh reading it for God. the first time and she got to the point where they were rescuing Aelin from the camp right? and the, co- oh God. And the iron coffin and it was all the, very intense yeah, and I just Aylin really felt mosque. I wanted to reread it with her in solidarity. Oh, that was so nice of you. I and do, so I just I, to be clear, I would not do that if that was someone else doing it. It was too traumatic. But the rescuing her part was mm-hmm. worth reading again. Okay. Of course, I had big, fat, pathetic tears rolling down my face by the end because it's like <laughs> so emotional and she saves Fenris and he's like, Anyways, on the verge of death, but yeah. I read it and and Rowan receives a message from her while she is still in the box. Oh my god! And then yes. he sends her one as well. Doesn't she that, like, feel his coming, grief or something? That he's, co- that he's while coming. she's in there as well. Yes, he said he's like keeps sending to her like I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Oh my god, I'm gonna start crying right now. So I'm wondering if maybe it's slightly like. Again, different worlds. Right, the it's a different world. Worlds. And and we haven't necessarily, right, like in Akatar Nesta, like, she visually sees, doesn't she? Or like in or like yeah, in her it's mind, like in her her she, mind sees she sees the golden thread, thread between them, so, yes. Like, there, it could just be that there are like slight also, nuances. Also, just throwing it out there, this nonsense theory that Nesta and Cassian are not mates, get out of here. We're putting that to bed. It's no. not a thing. Continue. So it could be a difference there, but we know from Akatar, that mates can occur interspecies, oh god, (laughs) between species that are different. (laughs) So does the mating bond mean the same thing? So we, a mate in the Akatar world, is described as you have met your equal. Your equal. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not necessarily that Bryce and Hunt are equals, but maybe it does mean that they, maybe it's closer to like a soulmate's kind of thing. Maybe it's that they need each other. You know, maybe it's just that they are each other's true loves. Like being Which mates I- in Akatar doesn't mean... That you are in you love get with each exactly. other. Exactly. That is so, such so an important point to So it make. could mm-hmm. just be that maybe in this world, a, a mate is really more like mm-hmm. a soulmate. Maybe it is more romantic. It's that intense, passionate, all-consuming love, love that oh, you I can like never that, ever mm-hmm. find with another being. I just thought of something right now, which is in this genre, SJM gets flack for all of her main characters get mates. Right. I don't think anyone should give her flack for that. I think it's fun to be like, oh, it's so rare. In this genre as a whole, Mm -hmm. it is always something that is incredibly rare, and yet our main characters always experience. So she is not the only one who... Because true love in real life is incredibly rare. So when we read fantasy... It's, It's nice to see. And SJM has also said one of the things she loves about this genre is the comfort of being able to believe that true love and these characters who are in love with each other are going to defy the odds and end up, and end each up each together. Other. I loved when she, I, honestly, it was like, thank God. That gives me more hope than anything <laughs> else. And I need every tiny kernel I can cling to right now because I am skirt. Skirt? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the end of the, the, rap, well, the last rapid fire question was, is would- Hunt really Bryce's mate? And the answer is yes. Um, which she had which already, already said. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I have some notes. About the questions about that were About the asked. questions that were. Also about certain things that you choose to bring up to Sarah J Maas. At least give her a good theory to either debunk or not choose to not answer, which is as good as an answer. Yeah. Don't bring her the Rune Dannon vibrator headcanon theory. I've literally theory. never is so even stupid. heard of that. Neither have I. Like, I don't, we don't need her commentary on that. No, there were more important questions that she could have uh, answered. Not a single question was asked about Lydia. Which is a travesty. Which makes me wonder if that was, if there was potentially like a list sent from Sarah's team that was like off the table. Didn't seem particularly structured or formal though. It the also itself. frankly I mean, didn't seem to me like these two women had actually read all of Sarah's books. There were a couple of things that they asked and I wish I had written them down, but there were a couple of things that they asked that I was like, have you read? I remember us texting at one point. It, 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 was, it was near the beginning, and we were saying, excuse me, have you read any of her books? I'm sure I could pull up my very chaotic parents over there and find well, it. My context clues were telling me that they, too, are authors. Like, they're all three they are. authors. And, and actually, I wrote this down just kind of offhandedly and chaotically. Uh, she was a fan of... They, they of co-author. Theirs. They co-author books together. And she was a fan okay. of Daz before... They discovered her books. Cheers again. And that is why they were selected to do this interview, I think. Whereas, is there an application portal for that job? I don't know, because in actuality, I don't know about me, but I know that you would have done a really good job. I think you would have <laughs> done a really good job. Well, we, we work best in tandem, so. <laughs> <laughs> if you could ask her one question. that's I, I haven't thought about it. Oh, my God. Um. Okay. Got one let's question. get a, No, let's let, let's do a couple, right? Let's do rapid fire, like between me and you. Let's do like two each. I want to know her. T- I want to know who her three top. You know how we have the game? Oh, the top we three. We have the game, like who your top three men in the men? entire universe? Oh, males. She's sorry. a she's a Reese girly. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. She why. She said that the hottest secret she's ever kept in her entire life was that the secret that Reese and favorite were mates. I don't know why it kind of bums me out that she's a Reese girly, but it does. I think it's just because it's been so long since I read Mist and Fury. I think that couple. I'm still a Reese girly. He's not my top three, but I'm still a Reese girly. He's like not even in my top five, which I know is so Okay, this is fun. We haven't actually, I don't know if we've actually ever done our top five live. Yours changes sometimes depending on your. Mood. I'm in flux right now. Anyway, <laughs> I think you should stay... save this for the fan cast episode. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Okay, so you want to know who her top? Three I want to. That my would top be really fun. On. I think she would enjoy that question yeah. a lot. I, I mean, th- if I could most... ask her one thing, it's who is who is Amryn? <laughs> That's what I really want to know. Is, is what is Amryn? Who is Amryn? Where did she come from? I need her backstory. Okay, all I'm gonna say is, in the first couple of chapters, there is. A poster of the Asteri, and it has the empty chair, and it says, and Bryce says, you know, blah, 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 the Asteri keeping the open chair to remember Uh their fallen sister. I just got chills all over my body. What? What? (laughs) Sister. Is it Amarin? Is it Maeve? I don't know. Because Maeve, like, fell, fell. (laughs) Yes. God, I can't wait to. There's not enough hours in the day for all the reading that we have to do. I think my uh, question for you would be like, why do you pronounce it Rigelus? I have that note. Important note: Rigelus because is the correct I pronoun. said Rigelus. Yes. Why I is feel... it Rigelus? Can, so can we tell? Can we tell Sarah J. Mass that she's wrong? And also, <laughs> can you please cast Timothy Chalamet as, as Rigelus? <laughs> God, I can't. It's so hard. It's gonna be really tough. I also, basically all of my questions right now revolve around Lydia and the alpha female wolf in the tank. That's a big one. The wolf in the tank, I gotta know who she is. But I also want to know about- The dragon I seems I to be a loose say, cannon as I well. I want to say, I want to know about, what's her name again? Ari, Ari Ariadne. Ariadne, which is so funny. Greek. I have a book on my shelf right now. From Greek Mythology. From Greek Mythology. It's the next one on my TBR off to Crescent City. And the Viper Queen <clears> has so many The Viper Queen has so many secrets. She knows things. Oh, by the way, um, the, the knock, the creature in the tank, Mm. the nasty one Mm. that almost eat that Micah throws syrinx into. (sighs) Rude. That was actually the scariest moment in all of (laughs) Crescent (laughs) City. The lot. I think when I thought Syrinx was gonna die, I was about to quit. What do you think? The most. I think that the that lost 100 pages of Crescent City might be the most of chaotic Earth and blood of oh, sorry, yes, of, of Avets and Blood might be the most chaotic out of any lost one hundred pages in an SJM. It's book. the most incredible action sequence. sequence I've ever read. It was it's perfect. What no notes. It's as you would say, perfect. I have no I have notes. No notes. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat holding my breath. You think you think you're going through it when she's like assembling the rifle. Nope. And <laughs> vacuuming his shit up. And then you're like, "Oh my god, it it's hasn't not even over. started." <laughs> it was It was stressy. Like Avengers. You was, you was, you was stressy Jesse I was eating? stressy Jesse. <laughs> it was Avengers Endgame. Like, Level magnitude of drama. of drama. It was, Jesse was stressy, Izzy was in a tizzy. It was just <laughs> so tough on all fronts. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. But, yeah, like, the ending, and it just, oh, I'm so excited for the third one. I know, I'm me excited too. excited and scared. Have we put an PTO requests? So, it's supposed I've to been meaning on the to talk 30th. to you about this. Oh, God. I think... I think we need to take time off to read it and I also, I think we need to just take like a week off (laughs) because I think our reactions to this need to be like documented, like raw, unhinged. (laughs) I think, I think our episodes on CC3 need to be like, we need to have like the original unhinged reactions to CC3. And then maybe like six months later, or like after, should we? Do- <laughs> I'm sorry. Should I we do what Caven does and film ourselves reading it? I don't feel secure enough to do that. <laughs> I I need to I need privacy to be in like the reading nook where you have the scented candles going, you have the blankets, my four you have the enchanted forest on the YouTube TV. Yeah, you have like a cup of tea with maybe a little bit of whiskey, and that make it a hot toddy for for this read because we're going to need it I think I'm going to do a Trader Joe's run and just get like a <laughs> lot of wine and cheese
1: and we invite you all
0: to do this because us. it's going to be a doozy so Jessica Isabel that is the meat of my notes that we've already discussed do you have anything else you'd like to share with the class before we before we start closing it out <sighs> I don't think so I feel like we got so much, and we still have so many questions that aren't going to be answered, unfortunately, until January thirtieth. Maybe you guys can send us the questions that you would ask Sarah J. Mass if you had the chance to meet with her. Because who knows and if, if we, she's listening? And <laughs> if we ever get the chance to ask her questions, we promise we will do our best mm-hmm. to to get as much intel as we can. I mean, I think just between between now and the release of Crescent City three, we are going to be doing our Damnedest. diligence. We are going to be rereading House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky and Breath. Yeah, and keep an eye on our Instagram as to how we're going to structure those episodes because obviously there are about three full months between the release of Flame and Shadow and now. Yeah. Yes. But, but we have we have holidays exactly. in there. Holiday we're going we're both gonna be travelling so, to see family. And, exactly. And but and we so all really we lose we lose about <clears> a collective month, month, I would say. But there. we really we've we've done a good job thus far of the two week cadence and we're gonna try and we're gonna do some brainstorming, try and figure it out and stay as true to that as we can. Mm-hmm. If you have ideas or if you feel strongly about things that you really would like to hear from us during this reread, I think right now we're leaning more towards focusing this particular reread on combing Mm -hmm. through for clues and theorizing about what might come next. Yeah, and this is not going to be unfortunately, episodes that you can listen to unless you have read these books thus far. But Uh, as always, you should use that time to read and to catch up because, I mean, honestly, I'm jealous that you haven't read it yet. And there are going to be fewer episodes, we think. So if you want to go ahead and, and read House of Earth and Blood on your own over the next couple of weeks, you should absolutely be able... We can do our best to eliminate spoilers from, like, Throne of Glass. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's that's fair. Right? 100%. percent hmm So we might keep a tiny little spoiler section at the end if it's necessary for across all all series, but yes, please send us any ideas or thoughts that you have. Or stuff that you want us to cover. Yes. That would be helpful as we put together our plan Game of action plan. for season two. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And season two is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be all of <clears> the <throat> city. It's going to be both books. Yes, exactly. So... We are going to maybe Maybe way down the line we'll we'll comb through it a little more carefully, but right now we're, we're going through it as we feel... We are, we are trying to be women of the people. Yes, exactly. And right now we know that as readers the thing that is at the front of our mind is Crescent City 3 and rereading the series to make sure that we are as prepared as, as possible. possible. But I do want to just... You know, don't worry, we will be going back to uh I've loved doing the chapter dissections of the Acata series because that is the series that Oh of course that is the one that made me re full in love with this genre. I have been in a reading slump and and I've now convinced a number of people who have never even read this genre to start reading it. It's one of my proudest accomplishments how many people you and I have have made shared this series with. Amanda Webworth? at you. She was like, I will just never read the fantasy genre. It's not my thing. She has read all of Akata. She's on, I believe, Kingdom of Ash right now. You're and kidding. I, she has gone so fast wow. with audiobooks. The, girl, the girlies that <laughs> I have, for the most part, that have started listening to it have started doing it on audiobook. All right, on that note, thank you everyone who is <laughs> tuning in for this bonus episode. I am very giggly and so happy so that great. we did it. You just keep an eye on our Instagram. We'll be keeping you updated with what we have in the works and our plan of attack for, for season 2. Season 2 of The Greatest Genre. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places. You know the drill by now. Yep. Jessica, it's been a pleasure. Always. Time to work.